Hi everyone and welcome to another Mainframe podcast. My name is Jarvis and I'm going to talk to you today about microtransactions. It's affecting the gaming community as a whole and it seems to be big business for major companies to use microtransaction model within their games. Now, I'm going to get into it. Uh, I'll give you all the facts that I know, um, just to give you a better idea of what microtransactions are and the effect they have on us gamers. But before we get into all the good stuff, um, let's give you some of the, the top news now in the gaming community. And first one being that those big companies are going to form a fair play alliance to combat toxicity in online games. There's going to be an open forum to research best practices to free gamers from abuse, discrimination and harassment. Companies involved are Blizzard, Epic Games, Roblox, Intel, Xbox and such like. Now, it's a great idea on paper. Sometimes I feel as if companies like this just come out and say they're doing these things just to kind of show that they're, that they're trying to do something or to show us that they care. As far as I've known in my gaming life, there's always been an element of abuse or discrimination and stuff in games. It's one of these things I don't think they'll ever be able to combat really, especially when you've got social media like Facebook where they have groups. Sometimes they're the worst. I mean, I'm part of one now, I won't mention and it's absolutely horrendous. It's just every single day is just hate, 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 negative, negative, negative. And it comes a point where some people can't even post anything on it because they're kind of probably fearful that someone might give them abuse. But it's still nice to see companies kind of talking about doing these things, but I don't really think anything's ever going to change. But, you know, we'll wait and see. Second piece of news we have is Destiny 2 update is on the 27th of March. And they've already said that it's going to focus on tackling people who quit and cheat. Now, the cheating element, I'm not really sure what they mean by that. I reckon that probably relates to um, people who play on the PC. As a Destiny 2 console player, the quit element basically refers to people who join in competitive matches and say, fuck this, I don't want to play anymore and just quit during that game. It's unfair for the people who are playing there with them. So if you're in a 4 versus 4 and someone decides, oh, I've had enough, I'm out of here and bounce, you're immediately at a disadvantage and it's just total pointless playing. So it's good to see they're putting restrictions in there that basically if you quit, you're going to get slapped with a 30-minute restriction so you can't play another competitive match for half an hour. So hopefully that will change things a little bit. But I think Destiny 2, the update that they're doing as well, is also the Go Faster update. Basically, they're, they're speeding up the gameplay to make it feel more like Destiny 1. But Destiny 2 as a whole is just... It's just absolutely at a place where it's shit. And um, these little changes that they're making... I mean, it's not going to bring anyone back, really, is it? I think most folk are at the point where they're just waiting for the DLC to drop in May. But that's the news I have from that um, for now. I will talk about, maybe in a future podcast, about um, Destiny 2 and, and Bungie as a whole. We'll have a dedicated an actual podcast to that. The last piece of news that I have is Far Cry 5 is released on 27th of March. Um, it's released by Ubisoft Montreal. It's a third-person shooter set in Montana. Uh, if you've played the Far Cry games, you know what they're all about. You know what to expect. And uh, this doesn't look to be any different. This looks just absolutely batshit crazy. I seen the trailer and thought, yes, I am going to get that game. 
It looks brilliant. If you if you've seen the trailer, I'll post it on my YouTube channel so you can have a look at it. But it's essentially you play or the main guy in it is Joseph Seed. He's a preacher of some sorts, and he forms Eden's Gate, which basically is like in a congregation that he, that he creates, and they're almost like a kind of doomsday cult. But yeah, check it out. I mean, it just looks absolutely bonkers, but it looks brilliant. And that's all we have for the news for now. So we'll just get into the whole microtransactions. So the reason why I want to talk about microtransactions is because it's such a hot potato of an issue within the gaming community. I felt it was worth bringing the knowledge to you so you can understand what it actually is and the effect it's having on us as gamers. So by definition, microtransactions is a business model that's used by gaming developers to entice us, the consumers, into buying virtual goods via payments of real money from your credit card or PayPal or whatever it may be. That's essentially what the, the business model is. Now, where did it all start? I would probably say from about 2009 onwards, you probably noticed that most mobile games that you get on your on your phone, whether it be an Android or iOS, they're usually free to play. And the reason they're free to play is because they want to involve more players in the game and then they provide a desirable items at a premium. Basically, they have items in that game that's going to cost you real money, but the game's free. Um, it's also known as freemium, which is basically a free game at a premium. And it's also coined the term pay to win, which is basically you're paying to have the advantage over other players. So the mobile market basically kicked off what microtransactions are and really brought it to light the kind of profits that they can make. Apple and Google, you would think, would take something to do with maybe reducing the amount of microtransactions that are happening in games. But if you look at the figures, Apple and Google take 30% of the revenue generated in their stores from um, developers who make games for microtransactions. So I'm pretty sure they're not going to bring a halt to anything like that. They're going to take in the profits. And the reason that mobile devices are so successful with their games and stuff like that, not only because they're free and people are spending money on them, they're well aware that microtransaction profits always outweigh the profits of a one-time purchase game. So if you have a game on the market and you put it on there, it's fourteen ninety-nine, and say 50,000 people bought that game at fourteen ninety-nine, and that's it. That's your sales, that's your final figure, that's you. Whereas if you put that game as free, you're going to have a lot more than 50,000 people getting that game and then you're probably more than likely to have a large percentage spending real money in that game for premium items. So it kind of just shows you the idea of how they think. It's basically they know that over a long period of time the, the, the profits outweigh for microtransactions outweigh the profits of a one-time purchase game. A study in 2013 showed that over 92% of revenue generated on Android and iOS came from free-to-play. Such games as like Candy Crush and Clash of Clans were basically raking it in. So this is where it kind of shifts from the, the mobile market and I think this is probably when other companies became aware that microtransactions were the way forward for them. Um, not just in the mobile market but in consoles and PC games as well. If we go back to like 2012, EA Corporate Vice President Peter Moore had speculated that he thought within 5 to 10 years all games will have transitioned to microtransactions model. And lo and behold, here we are in 2018 and virtually any game that you put in now has some sort of form of microtransactions. 
It kind of coincides with what he was saying in um, 2012 when he, he speculated that because in 2013 is when EA announced that they were building microtransactions basically in the older games and they even claimed that consumers are enjoying and embracing that way of business. I mean, that just suggests to me they're so out of touch with their consumers. Um, it's unbelievable. I don't know anyone who is enjoying and embracing microtransactions. Not a single person. And again, this would coincide with the stuff that's happening now with EA. Um, they've made such an arse of Battlefront 2. And the reason that's happening is because they, they, they basically develop a game. And in that game, they've got all the content they made for the game. They've developed the game. They take a portion of the content, the content they've already developed and hide it behind a paywall. And then they basically ask us, the consumers, to pay another up to 20 to 30, even 40 pounds to access a season pass. And the season pass unlocks the content they already developed that was hiding behind the paywall. So it's kind of forcing people into paying for um, the rest of a game. So you're, you're basically paying £50 for a game and getting half a game and then you're having to pay for the rest of that game um, with a season pass um, it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous and they're raking it in and this is the way it is and and I think this is why there was such a backlash with the EA's Battlefront 2, the Star Wars game it's purely because of that and I'm not surprised that Disney have come out and said that they would rather have someone else developing the games now um, because I think they've lost faith with EA um, just as much as the rest of us have. Now EA have been notorious because I remember them um, actually doing microtransactions way back in 2009. They had a game called um, Battlefield Heroes and in that game it was on PC. Again, it was free to play um, but it did have premium goods in that game that you could purchase with real money. So that was my first kind of indication to microtransactions and that was on a PC. So since then, you can see where EA have started to introduce this model more and more into other games. More dominantly, you'll see it in their sports games, which has led to kind of, I'd say, an outcry from parents because obviously young kids are getting hold of credit card details or whatever, and they're plugging them into this game, and lo and behold, parents are getting a bill at the end of the month, which is higher than they expected. I think it's known as bill shocks. Because you're basically shocked at what you're getting. And these companies just don't give a damn. They just don't care. As long as they're turning profits over, they'll continue to do this model. But I mean, you've, you've got things like loot boxes, um, which are now being classed as a form of gambling. Now, if you don't know what a loot box is, basically a loot boxing is... Um, if you're playing a game and there is like these kind of loot boxes that you can buy with microtransactions and you don't know what you're getting in the box it could be up to five six items and um, you've no idea what it is so it just randomly gives you stuff in there and you do another one and it can randomly give you the same stuff so you could essentially be paying to get the same thing over and over so it's enticing people to buy more loot boxes to try and get that that particular item thereafter. So, I mean, a lot of people, um, I think it was late 2017, some organisations such as the Belgium Gaming Commission basically called for the banning of loot boxes. They claim that it's a form of gambling. So is it going to take this to actually stop loot boxes and microtransactions? Because for the way it's going now, I've, I can't see a way out. It just seems to be, as long as big companies are turning over profits, they'll continue to have it in games. And the ones that are most vulnerable are children. Obviously, you're a growing adult playing a game. You can make a decision. 
you're in control of your own finances and that's fine, that's what society deems as you're an adult, that's your choice. But if you're a child and you're playing these games and you see your friends doing something or you see something that you want, the more likely that you're going to end up spending on your mum and dad's credit cards or whatever and and it just leads to an absolute mess. I just think they should go back to traditional ways of you pay for a game, you get the full game and that's it. If there's any rewards, any kind of rewards in the game, they should be earned, not paid for. But I don't know how that can um, actually change. Is it going to take um, politics to come in and step in and say, do you know what, in our country we're going to ban this um, or ban that to make any kind of changes? And probably not because the revenue that turns over in the gaming industry, I read an article and it was saying that since 2015, the gaming industry as a whole has raked in about 70 billion, and that's worth microtransactions. And they reckon that will escalate to about 90 billion by 2020. So it is big money. And basically, all platforms, PC, console, anything like that, they've all conformed to the use of microtransactions due to its high profits. That's essentially what it is. And another alarming thing that I found was ex BioWare developer. Manveer Hare, um, he stated that microtransactions have become a factor in what type of games are being made. So it's now not just developers being free to create something they want to create, it's now create something that involves microtransactions from the offset. So companies will come in like EA and say, right, BioWare, we want you to make Anthem. Now Anthem comes out next year, so they could easily turn around and say to them, that game is not going to get released unless you put microtransactions in that game. That's essentially what boils down to. They gave that game the green light, provided that it has microtransactions. Now, I'm not saying that the game does have microtransactions. I'm just going that assumption that it will. But this is an example of what that developer, Manvir here, was actually talking about. It's games that are getting made in the future with the intent of having microtransactions from the offset. It doesn't have microtransactions, or they're the ones that are getting binned. Regardless of how good they may be, I don't know. So you can see why it's a hot topic for gamers and alike. And at the end of the day, the reason I wanted to do that was to bring more kind of focus and attention to what microtransactions are. And just to be kind of vigilant when you're actually playing games and don't be roped in to just spending money on silly things. Um, obviously, if you're growing adults, then <laughs> it's your choice, of course. But I, I feel kind of sorry for more like towards parents in this day and age. Obviously back in my day we had like Mega Drives and things like that and they didn't have microtransactions. It was just a cartridge in a console and off you went, pure fun. And so yeah, it's just, it's, it's this day and age that we live in now where everything's online, everything's so accessible, um, it's, it's so easy to pay for things as well. I mean some of these consoles don't even ask you for a password when you're paying for things. I know when I set up my PlayStation, I've got my card details on there for when I pay for my subscription. And I do know that if I went into the PlayStation store and purchased a game, I would just click my same details and I wouldn't even have to put a password in. But I'm pretty sure there's safeguards in there that you can possibly put on locks to be prompted for passwords every time you make a purchase. I know you can do that in mobile devices. Um, so it's just to be extra vigilant because microtransaction is big revenue for these companies and they're hell-bent in ensuring that any game that comes out from here on in always going to have microtransactions. I don't think it's something that's going to go away. It's always going to be part of our lives now um, going forward. And I would just like, I would love for something to change. Obviously the backlash with EA, 
over the Battlefront fiasco was, in my view, a little win for us consumers. Another way you can look at it is some people say, well, why don't we just boycott certain developers, certain games? It's all good and fine in theory, but at the end of the day, if you're a big FIFA fan or a big NFL fan or anything like that, you're going to buy those games regardless of the microtransactions. So yeah, I don't really think it's going to take that kind of thing to happen. I do know, in my own personal opinion, for me, there's certain games I won't buy now because of microtransactions, one being FIFA, and I refuse to buy Star Wars games, or sorry, Battlefront 2, because of the microtransaction fiasco of the first Battlefront that EA released. So it's my own personal choice myself that I decide not to buy these games again. I just focus on the ones that I, I, that I do love. Now, you can easily say, well, what about DLCs? For me, DLCs are slightly different from microtransactions, depending on how you look at it. If you take um, the likes of, and I'll give you an example, Destiny or Destiny 2, they have DLCs. Now, DLCs are usually um, expansion packs to games. They basically enhance a game by adding more story and giving you more items and more this, that and the next thing. So you usually do get your money's worth. And it's not stuff that should have been there from the start. It's just an extra um, development of a story. And usually they are worth the buck that you pay. Whereas microtransactions are basically by small things like weapons, gear, things like that that give you an advantage over other people. So I wouldn't say boycott DLCs, I don't go and buy them, or I think DLCs can be a good thing. If they're worth the money, then great. If not, then don't buy it for that particular game. I know a lot of games recently, particular Destiny 2's Curse of Osiris DLC, uh, was shockingly bad because it had lack of content in it. It wasn't as big as people thought it was going to be, and I'm sure that had a price tag of £17. Um, so yeah, I mean there is some DLCs out there that maybe not as good as others, but they're not in the realm of microtransactions. So with that said, I've said what I had to say about microtransactions. I've gave you my opinion, my feeling on it. It would be absolutely fantastic to hear from you. Um, you can contact me uh, through Castbox, or you can contact me on Twitter. It's at Mainframe D two, spelt the same as here. And yeah, so thank you very much for listening. It would be great to hear your opinion. And until the next time, take care of yourselves.